So I'm very happy to have Christiana Gadet here on the Leftscape. Uh, Christiana began reading tarot professionally in Putnam, Connecticut in 1994. She now offers private readings from her office in Palm City, Florida, and serves a worldwide clientele remotely. She is the author of Fortune Stellar, What Every Professional Tarot Reader Needs to Know, and Tarot Tour Guide, Tarot, The Four Elements, and Your Spiritual Journey. Uh, Christiana was our featured guest way back on episode 31, when she talked about the difference between hey everybody, I'm Reverend Yolanda, your so favorite trans, back, femme, gender, this queer, really singer, songwriter. Wow, well, it is so great to be back. I'm, I'm really honored to uh, to be here again. And I remembered being here, but I didn't remember what we had spoken about. And man, that's such a good topic. I still think about that. Yeah, we might we might have a throwback question on that too today. <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> so. Anyway, yeah, um, it's great to have you here. And this came to be when I was telling you about the topic we're exploring this season, which is acceptance. And you had a very clear cut idea about a tarot related contribution to that ongoing discussion. So, um, but first, before we get to that, I'm if you could give for the unfamiliar, just a, a little quick elevator speech on what the tarot is. Oh, fabulous. Okay, yes, I will. So tarot began in Italy about 500 years ago as a game, a game very much like bridge. Over time and through a lot of magical and mundane gyrations, tarot became a book of spiritual wisdom that we use for divination, that we use for connection to spirit, that we use in manifestation, and that we use to understand our world. Okay. That's oh, and there's more. <laughs> sure there's more. <laughs> oh, and there's more. Uh, tarot is a specific structure of cards, 78 cards divided into two sections, major arcana and minor arcana. The word arcana means secrets. So greater secrets and lesser secrets. And what we'll be talking about today comes from that major arcana, the greater secrets. Okay. Yeah. So you said that there are four cards that relate to acceptance. So what, what are those? Yeah. So, and, and this is, you know, in, in the work that I've done with tarot over these many, many, almost 30 years, I've really developed a relationship with the cards as we do. And I've started to think about how different cards speak in different ways. And so, yes, I have what I call the four cards of acceptance. They are major arcana 10 through 13. 10 is the wheel of fortune. 11 is justice. 12 is the hanged man. And 13 is death. Wow. Yeah. Okay. I hadn't, I, you know, I, I know the tarot, but I don't, I haven't delved into it in a way to like get that kind of information. So that's interesting. Tell me more. Oh, about gladly. Each of those. Yeah. <laughs> gladly. So starting with the, the wheel of fortune, we understand that when we learn tarot for divination, we learn keywords, we learn classic interpretations and what the card might mean when it comes up in a reading. So like starting with the Wheel of Fortune, the Wheel of Fortune might mean, you know, luck or fate or gambling or working at a casino or, you know, uh, patterns and cycles in our lives. 
but there are deeper spiritual lessons in each of these cards. And the deeper spiritual lesson for the Wheel of Fortune is really about the things that we cannot control. That, you know, and you know, you, you can talk to like the law of attraction people. And, and I, I get the law of attraction, I understand it, and I think it is built on solid spiritual tradition uh, going all the way back to hermetic tradition. But the idea that I can control every single thing in life, yeah, no, I can't, <laughs> right? And I've had arguments with people when teaching the Wheel of Fortune in a tarot class. And I say, well, the Wheel of Fortune is about things you can't control. If there is a serious law of attraction person in my class, you know, I can think of one particular time when it, it turned into kind of a heated discussion. Mm, because that's really, forbidden to even think such a right, thing. Right, that there are things we cannot control. But I'm sorry, man. I mean, I do a little weather magic, but I do not claim to be able to control the weather in a foolproof way. Right. I do not control the forces of nature. I do not control you know, things on that large level, I do not have the ability to control. And I think there's a certain amount of hubris that people have when they think that they are in control of everything. And I just sort of sit there and I, I don't wish, you know, horrible things on anybody. But it is interesting when a person who is very hardcore law of attraction faces a terrible personal crisis. Mm. You know, because, okay, so now I have this health diagnosis or, you know, whatever. And now they're feeling like, okay, how did I do this to myself? Right. And, you know, that's a, you know, a lot like blaming the victim for the crime. So the Wheel of Fortune talks about the things that cannot, that we cannot control, that there are patterns and cycles and seasons and just a certain amount of stupid luck that is around us at all times and we must accept okay this is the first card of acceptance we must accept that sometimes the wheel turns and it's going to roll right over you and sometimes the wheel turns and it's going to put you on the top of the world and you better enjoy it because the wheel will turn again and and you won't be on the top anymore mm -hmm. Shall I continue with the next card? Yes, please. <laughs> okay, so much fun. I'm, I'm sitting here waiting with uh, curiosity. Okay, so card 11 is justice. And the thing about justice is there really is, you know, like none. There is no justice in the world, really. We cannot expect justice. We can hope for it, you know, but nothing in life is fair. And I can say I, a lot of our listeners will be very upset to hear this idea <laughs> go on well no i mean we have to work but i get for it justice, yeah. right i mean we yeah. must work for social justice yeah. and this card actually encourages that and it's an interesting thing because i i think we are once again i'm old enough to say once again talking about social justice more you know, we should have been talking about it all along. We just thought we had won some things that we hadn't, right. uh, or we had, but, you know, people are fighting back. You know, there's that. There is. Hey. And, 
and the card, the justice card will come up in readings for people who are sort of just saying, okay, it is time for me to write letters. It's time for me to join an organization. It's time for me to march. And, um, you know, it's, it's been a gratifying thing during these difficult times where I'll be reading for a high school kid or a college kid saying, you know, what can I do? How can I work toward justice? And that's a beautiful thing. And 10 years ago, no high school or college kid ever asked me that now because they didn't feel like they had a need. But, you know, there, there we are. So can we ever expect justice in every situation, in every way? Of course not. You know, in our personal interactions, people will treat us unfairly. We will treat others unfairly. Um, so when we talk about social justice, yes, there's an ideal that we're working toward and we need to work toward that. And that is possible. But that does not mean that there will always be fairness on the planet. There just won't be. Mm -hmm. And so when we talk about acceptance, that's such an interesting thing from a perspective of social justice, because there's a lot that we're not willing to accept, nor should we. Exactly. Right. But you know, the lesson of justice is we have to recognize that in every, any given moment, there will be some things that just aren't fair. And we have to work toward justice and we have to work toward fairness, fairness to ourselves, the way we treat others fairly. And, you know, that's such a thing, too where I'll, I'll be talking to people in readings and they will felt, feel like they were, so, someone did something bad to them or they feel hurt or slighted by someone on a personal level. And, and there's this sense of like, well, why should I be nice to others when others are not nice to me? Why should I be fair to others when others are not fair to me? Mm -hmm. And this card sort of teaches us that, you know, what's that expression? An eye for an eye makes the whole world blind. Right. That when people treat us badly, it is not a justification or a reason or an excuse or instruction to treat others badly. And so in the justice card, there is this whole thinking around how do we accept that this is where, okay, so from social justice perspective, how do we accept that this is where we're at and then accept the mantle of responsibility to move forward and to work and to still try to have a good life in the meantime? And how do we accept that not everything is going to be fair and people are going to treat us unfairly and, and there it is. And yet we still have to, every single day, try to treat others fairly. And that is a tough lesson. Yeah. Especially getting to, this is where we are now. <laughs> that has been the hardest thing. You know. That has really been the hardest thing right lately. It, the, the thing, the only comfort that I, I can find in it well, no, there's two. I have two comforting things to say. Well, small, but, but there. One is that the veneer has been pulled off. You know, we thought we were further along than we were. True. And the pulling back on the veneer is good 
Because for us to see, you know, what's there, you can't fight it if you can't see it. Mm -hmm. So that's good. And what is there is there primarily because we were winning. Hmm. You know, it goes all the way back to the Civil War. You know, the people who are still pissed off that we won the Civil War. Yeah. And I I remember growing up and my parents, excuse me, my parents would joke about those people who were still fighting the Civil War. And it was a joke. But apparently it wasn't funny. It's not too funny. Yeah, no, (laughs) not at all. Not at all. So, you know, there's that on on a social justice perspective, but just on a personal level in our jobs, with our friends, with our partners, and just with life itself. You know, why does one person have some tragedy befall them and another person does not? You know, that that image of like God at his computer with the smite button, you know, who's who's gonna who's he gonna hit the button on today? And and spiritual people try to make that have meaning, you know, that if something bad happens to someone, it's because it's retribution, it's karma, it's something they did, and that's a bunch of crap. Random bad stuff happens to anybody at any time for no particular reason. And the New Agers will say, well, everything happens for a reason. And that's like the meanest thing you can say to someone who's dealing with trauma. Mm-hmm. And, you know, some of the, the born again Christians will say, well, if that bad thing happened to you, it's because God's angry with you, which is equally ridiculous. So acceptance here is really just about accepting that weird stuff can happen at any time and there's nothing we can do about it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Thank you for that. Especially, I think, people in spiritual communities, it's important to hold that in mind, very much so, because that what you're describing is a, a real malady of, or, or a casualty of that kind of spiritual thinking that you can wind up in places that are really damaging, I think. Absolutely. And it's a hard thing because we've all had those wonderful experiences of synchronicity where you're like, well, why did I wind up here? But then because you're here, this wonderful thing happens that takes you to where you want to go. And you say, oh, everything happens for a reason. And and there's moments where these odd things happen and that you feel like they happen for a reason because it all fits together and it leads you where you need it to go. And that's a beautiful thing. And I'm not discounting that that happens, but that's not everything. It's some things happen Mm -hmm. for a reason. And if we cannot have nuanced thinking around our spiritual thought, we hurt ourselves and we hurt a lot of people. And, And all of this is what is inherent in our study of Major Arcana 11, Justice. Mm, mm-hmm. Thank you. So, so what about number 12? Ah, number 12. So number 12 is the hanged man. And in some decks it's called the hanging man or the hanged one. Um, it is an image typically of a person hung upside down by one foot. And it's obviously an uncomfortable position that they are in, but they are completely at peace with it. And in older decks, we actually see they have a halo. They're they're found enlightenment. Mm -hmm. 
in this uncomfortable position. And there's a lot of ways to come at this card and to think about this card. Uh, I, I think about a couple of things. One is uh, Viktor Frankl, Man's Search for Meaning. Did you have to read that in college? I don't remember it. Well, I might you, have blanked it out if, I did, <laughs> if you I haven't read it. It's worth reading. It's a it's small. You can read it in an afternoon. Okay. Victor Frankl was a uh, psychotherapist, and he ended up in a concentration camp during the Holocaust and survived, and went on to write this book called *Man's Search for Meaning*, where he talked about sort of the psychological effects and aspects of what it was to be in a concentration camp and what he saw people experiencing. Mm. And what he learned was the people who tended to have the, of the survivors, the people who tended to have the best outcome after were the people who found meaning in their suffering. That if you can find meaning in your suffering, you can survive that suffering. And we all suffer. Now, hopefully we are not suffering as one suffered in a concentration camp. I mean, that's a pretty high level suffer, suffering, right? Hmm. But the idea of finding meaning in your suffering is, is kind of the takeaway there. And so with the hanged man, he is suffering and he has found enlightenment. And so when something is wrong, when there is a discomfort, big, small, physical, mental, emotional, financial, whatever, and there's nothing you can do about it in the moment, how can you find meaning in that? Now, the other piece of this, and again, this goes back to what we were talking about with the Wheel of Fortune, is being not in control that there are times we are just stuck and we are stuck in this situation for some period of time. And that's the way it's going to be. And, you know, we've been in places, you know, been on a plane that's stuck on the tarmac for a few hours or been in a car that's broken down on the side of the highway while we wait for AAA or, you know, whatever it is. And you're just in that place of, okay, here we are. How am I going to spend this time? How am I going to process this? Am I going to just every second be or can I come to some place of peace with this situation? Now, the other thing that comes up for me around this card is I, I associate it a lot with uh, 12-step programs. It is card 12, you know, which is a nice piece of serendipity there. But I think about the serenity prayer. Grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. And that is, you know, so much about acceptance and, of course, is used around recovery from addiction. But, I mean, which one of us does not need that prayer? right? We, we all need to be able to know, you know, what must I accept? Mm -hmm. What can I change? And, and how do I know the difference? And, and all of that is within this card. And we think about this hanged man hung upside down in this uncomfortable position. And we recognize two things. 
One is that if you can't change your circumstance, you have to change your attitude. You are not in control of your circumstance, but you can control what you're thinking about. You can control how you're processing it. And the other is that, you know, very literally, um, he is seeing everything upside down. He's upside down. And when you see things from a different perspective, they look different. And so sometimes you have to look at things differently. And so from that perspective of acceptance, there is, you know, what I must accept and what I must change. There is also how to be in the space of acceptance when we are stuck. And then there's the sense of, can I look at something differently and get unstuck? And that brings in another level of acceptance. When we talk about, okay, what I must accept in my life, but then there's also how do I accept something else or someone else? How do I accept another person's perspective? How can I accept that another person is doing this or that or thinks of this or that way? And so there's something here that has us put ourselves in their position. And so when we bring that to a social justice perspective, you know, it's a hard one because it's very easy to look at people who think differently than we do and say, well, those people are just wrong. And yes. And sometimes that's true. <laughs> yes. But we also have to understand or find some way of looking differently at it, I think. Right. right. And, you know, it's hard because I think we're very often accused of looking at them in a sort of condescending way when we do that, you know, where they just don't understand or they're coming from a place of fear, you know, or, or what, you know, whatever that is. And I, I think we have to find a way to do it that is a little less condescending and a little more understanding. And that's part of acceptance too. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's 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 not that's not an easy one either. <laughs> no, none, of, none of this is none easy. Of it is. <laughs> not, yeah. You know, the whole the whole concept of acceptance is not easy. True. And accepting, you know, and, and it goes back to to accepting ourselves. And and which one of us has not had like inner self-loathing? Or, you know, at least low self-esteem or low self-worth or, you know, any of those things. Right. And so when we talk about acceptance, we struggle through that too. And, and that's all in this as well. Absolutely. You know, so yeah. with the wheel of fortune to accept whatever life gave us in terms of our, our internal structure, you know, recognizing our inner and outer flaws. And that's ah, just how that is. And then... You know, I, I had a sister who was much better looking than I was. And that brings in the justice card. Like, how exactly did that happen? <laughs> <laughs> um, and, mm. and how that just feels unfair. But I have to recognize that everything that I've been given, everything that I am inherently is what is me. And that's fair enough. Mm -hmm. You know, so acceptance is self-acceptance. It's acceptance of circumstance. It's acceptance of others. And in the three cards we've talked about so far, it's all in there. Yes, indeed. So what is number four? 
Well, our fourth and final card is Major Arcana 13, Death. And Death, the, the fact that we have a card called Death is the reason that a lot of people fear tarot. They fear a tarot reading because they're afraid they're going to get the death card. And I'll tell you that predictively, in terms of divination, when that card comes up in a reading, it tends to be change of a job, getting married, having a baby, very often really positive things. It is just transition, transformation, and change. Uh, it, we often say it does not predict a physical death. But on a spiritual level, we recognize the ultimate truth that you and I and everyone we know will die, that everyone and everything dies. And that's a freaking hard thing to accept, too, because every fiber of our being, every cell, every part of ourselves on a body, mind and spirit level is programmed, inherently hardwired stay alive, to live, to be alive. And the idea that that will someday cease to happen is, is pretty tough. And then the people that we love, you know, we want them to be alive too. And so recognizing that we are temporal is a hard lesson. And, and that's, that's part of it, but it's, it's not just, Again, physical death, it's that everything changes. Nothing stays the same. And, and that actually even goes back to the wheel of fortune, which is always turning. There are cycles of life. And there's a justice thing in there too, because we live in a world that sort of really isn't fair to children isn't fair to old people, you know, like honors people at certain ages more than at other ages in so mm -hmm. many ways. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, there's, there's, you know, that that's in there too. So how we accept change and how do we accept when other people change? We're always supposed to grow. We're always supposed to change. But what is the thing we say to someone when we're upset with them? You've changed. Right. <laughs> That was kind of the assignment. Wow. Yeah. That's a very astute point to make uh, in this season of Samhain. This this will post on uh, October 20th, so we're getting close to Samhain, which is about honoring people who have passed physically, but the uh -huh. sort of deeper lesson in there is interesting to think about as well. Yeah. Yeah, and, and so interesting in that it is also, Samhain is also the harvest. Right. So there's this gratitude for what we're harvesting, this honoring of those who have passed on, honoring our ancestors, recognizing our own mortality, but it's also the witch's new year. Yes. So <laughs> welcoming in this, so, you know, again, there's like the old and the new and, and all of those things together. And, and so we could also say when we look at these cards that part of acceptance is about balance. And we see that injustice is, is literally a person holding scales. Uh, but even with death, the idea that death is the ultimate fairness and that no one escapes it. And that we have to find this balance in the way that we think. 
because on one hand, we must know that at any minute, terrible things could happen. And yet we must plan our lives and live our lives like we're going to have this great life and live to be 150 or whatever, even though we know that that may not be. And so finding that balance of, I'm aware that all this terrible stuff could happen, and yet I'm going to go forward anticipating wonderful things. Mm. Mm -hmm. Well, I really appreciate your insights. And I think that a lot of people think of tarot as just a form of divination and people going to a reader to find out if the boyfriend wants to marry them or what the next <laughs> thing will happen in their right. life or that sort of thing. Will he call me? <laughs> Which is fine, you know, yeah, but I think what you're talking about is really gathering wisdom from yeah. these archetypes, yes. you know, in some way. So yes. is there a way, how do you express that to someone who maybe isn't particularly spiritual or could, you know, a, as a way of accessing it from a different perspective, from a, it's, you know, it's an interesting, yeah, it's an interesting thing. And, you know, obviously I, I grew up uh, with a Christian background. My father was a Methodist minister and, and for me, it was like memorizing Bible verses, you know, that you memorize this spiritual wisdom. So it will be with you. Um, or from like my favorite prose poem to Siderata, nurture strength of spirit to shield you in difficult times. Hmm. And, you know, someone who is not as spiritual, I think you could come at it that way and say, you know, a picture is worth a thousand words. And there are, you know, tarot is based on pictures that have a resonance for all of us, you know, images that, that evoke things with which we are all familiar. And when we study them, we learn things about life that help us process things that happen in life. Mm -hmm. Thank you. So here's my throwback question to you. Okay. <laughs> we spoke in 2019. And it was a very different world then. It was, a, it was a complicated world, but it was different than now, for sure. So do you have anything to say about discerning thinking magically from magical thinking now? Now that too much magical thinking in a pandemic really can prove deadly, like very literally. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. And the way that spiritual people have processed the pandemic you know, again, whether we're talking about like um, the evangelical community versus the new age community or whatever, there's a lot of disparity there. And it's a hard thing. And it goes back to the great need for nuanced thinking, right? Because it's really easy to say the pharmaceutical companies are evil. And in a lot of ways, yeah. And yet life-saving medication is life-saving medication. And it's great to say that a good, healthy diet makes a difference in a person's health and in a person's health outcomes. And that is absolutely true. But to think that the fact that I eat this diet is going to shield me from a negative outcome in a pandemic 
that's a really tough thing. And that does go into magical thinking. It absolutely does. The people who are, you know, okay, I've got diet, I've got essential oils, I've got herbology, I've got all of these things. And these things are real. And it does work and they do matter. But when we talk about a pandemic, you know, I was I was speaking with someone the other day who was very sweetly vaccine hesitant. And she recognizes that she really needs to go forward and get the vaccine. And she's very uncomfortable with it. And she's older, uh, older than me, which is ancient. And <laughs> and what she what she said is, you know, I have just never done my health care this way. And this is a woman who, as I said, like she's probably in her 60s. Um, she looks great. She's working full time. She's full of energy. She's healthy. And so her way of doing her health care has been to eat right, to do yoga, to go to the gym, to exercise, to use herbs, to do all the things. And it's worked for her brilliantly. And now she needs to trust a pharmaceutical company to give her an injection. And that is so against everything she has ever done or ever needed to do. Hmm. Except someone probably gave them to her when she was a baby. I did say that to her. Which helped her tremendously, <laughs> I, I would think. I did say that to her and she agreed. Okay. And then I said, you have never lived in a pandemic before. And I think that's the thing when you're, you know, because the last pandemic was a hundred years ago. So there are very few people on the planet who were alive and remember that. And so this is new for all of us. And we don't have a sense of how to respond because we've never had to do this before. And we're not good at wrapping our brains around this idea of something so very new. And so then we think about that and we think about these four cards of tarot. I mean, it's definitely death in a whole entire change. Our, our world has absolutely changed. And this hanged man thing of we are stuck with this and we are going to have to have a different perspective. And there's this other piece too, okay, I'm, I'm working backward now, justice, <laughs> where, you know, when we talk about a personal and private health decision, whether you're going to be vegetarian, vegan, keto, whatever diet you're going to choose, that's a personal decision. But the vaccine is more than a personal decision because it affects the community. And at that point, there's this thing of fairness where, you know, can we pull together as a community? Can we work together as a community? And so this whole magical thinking around, you know, I get to determine what I'm going to do, you know, really does it, it a lot of it is sort of, I, I would say, sort of rugged American individualism in a toxic kind of a way. Except it's happening in other countries too. Yeah. So yeah, there's there's a lot of magical thinking going on there, and and it's concerning. Yeah, I wish there were an immediate solution, but there's <laughs> not doesn't seem to be. But but I do. Um, 
at least that's a good insight of just how, especially with people who are hesitant, but convincible. That's right. a good kind of conversation to be able to have, you know? Yeah. So. And, and yeah, just to, to recognize that, you know, these are, these are very different times. This is a very different thing. We've, we've not faced this before. Exactly. I, I remember right, right before, before I had even heard of COVID, uh, there was an Ebola outbreak uh, somewhere in Africa. And the healthcare workers who had gone there, volunteered to go there to help out, were being murdered because the people there believed that they were spreading the disease and that they had come to spread the disease. I remember that. That was terrifying. Right? Terrible. Yeah. Right. And I remember thinking, wow, what a privilege it is to live in a country where that would never happen. And now I'm not so sure that I live in such a country. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> aye, aye, aye. Yeah. So these are tough times. Absolutely. Well, well on that. Well, Strange note. We should probably start wrapping, but <laughs> I want to ask you, I know you're involved in an event called StarCon, um, yes. which is Southeastern Tar Tarot Artists and Readers Conference. Is that correct? Yes, it is. So, okay. Uh, I have always wanted to host a tarot conference. The tarot community is worldwide and it's more than just tarot. It's all divination, astrology, spirituality, art, mysticism, and magic. And we have a worldwide community and we like to get together at conferences. And so uh, I thought it would be a great idea to have a conference here in South Florida. And I started planning it pre-pandemic. And every time I pulled a card on it, um, the tower came up. And if you know anything about tarot, the tower <laughs> is usually like, yeah, don't do that. But of course you go ahead and do it anyway. And, and here's the pandemic. Uh, so last year we had our first conference online on Excelevance, a conferencing program, and it was wonderful. And so this year we're hybrid. We are in person in Palm Beach Gardens, Florida at the Doubletree and online on Excelevance. And this is going to be a wonderful conference. We have more than 30 speakers and it's three days and then a 30 day StarCon Afterglow where we can watch the recordings of the classes, and we have a couple of live events online on Excelevance. So wherever you're at, if you can travel, if you're not traveling, if you're ready to travel, if you're not ready to travel, either way, StarCon is there for you. You can find out more and get your ticket at StarCon.com. It's S-T-A-A-R-C-O-N.com. Okay. And we will definitely have the link on our show notes as well. Perfect. And it's January 21st through 23rd. 2022. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. And uh, yeah, so again, like happy Halloween, blessed Salin. Uh, happy birthday, I believe, is coming up in You're three days right. after this post as well. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, that is so true. Thank you for remembering. Yes. I still celebrate my birthday as uh, this is my, my last year of my 50s and I'm uh, still celebrating. There you go. <laughs> well, awesome. Thanks so much, Christiana. Thank you, Robin. It's great to speak with you. You too.
You've been listening to the Leftscape Podcast. Sound engineering by Wendy Sheridan. Show notes by Robin Renee. Fake sponsor messages by Ariel Sheridan. Web hosting by InMotion. Remote recording by Squadcast. If you like what you hear, please share it with your friends. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Leftscape. Become a patron of our show for as little as $1 a month at patreon.com slash leftscape. Thanks for listening.